0: Welcome back to the Goal Set, Mindset podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Julie Brower to discuss taking humans from sickness to fitness and making fitness accessible across our population. Julie is a physical therapist who specializes in working with medically complex individuals and older adults, and she travels the country teaching other healthcare professionals about how to bridge the gap between sickness and and fitness. She preaches about how fitness is so often wasted on the already fit and what those of us fitness-loving humans can do to decrease intimidation and introduce others to fitness. Julie is on a mission to bring strength, power, and high-intensity training to all humans, and this episode discusses exactly how to do so. If you've got somebody in your life who's looking to improve their health and fitness and you want to support them, this is the episode for you. Enjoy my conversation with Julie Brower. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Julie, thank you so much for being here today. You are
1: welcome. I am so pumped. Our last, well, our first Interaction was back in 2020 and you are just crushing it now, a couple years later. So this is awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank
0: you. I'm so excited. This has been a long time coming. And actually, when I think back to when I first started the podcast, when I was kind of um, building the confidence to do it, I made a list of all of the people at that time who I wanted to have on the show. And you were one of the names that, that came out of my brain. And now I get to check it off the list. So super excited. Heck yeah, I love it. Yeah. So Julie, I would love if we can just start with you telling the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. So I graduated PT school back, man, sounds like so long ago now, but it was 2015. So I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I went to Ohio university for PT school. And while I was in school, I was really interested in both like a neural population and a fitness population. And when I was going to my clinicals and talking to like our DCE about, you know, what I wanted to do, I was like, I want both. And they were like, you can't do that. Like people don't do that. You either do ortho or you either do neuro that doesn't really exist. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go do both. So, um, I moved to Charlotte where that's where I'm at right now. So I've been practicing here for like seven ish years And I chose here because my brother owned a CrossFit gym. And so I was like, cool, I can move here. I can work with athletes in a CrossFit gym and I can work at the hospital. And that's exactly what I did. So started out in the ICU at a level one trauma center. Um, would do that in the morning, and then I would go to the evening into the gym and work with athletes there. And, you know, I, I was full time in acute care for a while. I dropped down to PRN. I went into inpatient rehab, home health, treating older adults privately in their homes. And then obviously been teaching with um, MMOA as well since fall of
0: 2020. Nice. Wow. I love that you didn't take no for an answer. Yeah. And you know, like it's so true. That's one of the, I guess, limitations of physical therapy school is everything is very like compartmentalized and um separated. And but like the fact that you you realize that you love both and you're like, I'm gonna go find my own way to yeah. to do this. And yeah, um, super cool. And I can imagine that your love for fitness and your experience with it um as an athlete, but also like helping people with it has really helped you with this whole movement that you're a part of, which is taking humans from sickness and frailty and deconditioned towards fitness. So that's really what I want to have at the heart of our conversation today. And one of the reasons why I totally just love ingesting all of your content and energy. So Julie, can we just talk first about um, this like sickness to wellness to fitness continuum? Mm -hmm. I don't know who is responsible for this. Is it CrossFit? Um, But I know it's kind of something that a lot of you um, in the older adult division, have talked about. I would love if you can just kind of explain like what this is and how it can drive PT care. Yeah. So yeah, so this was born
1: out of CrossFit, right? right. This um, sickness to fitness continuum. So if you talk about it in the CrossFit sense, they will say like every measurable value of health can be placed on that continuum, right? And wellness can be measured by body fat percentage blood pressure, bone mineral density, cholesterol, right? All these things that we think of when it comes to measurable things, what it has to do with health. And it's not that we just want the absence of chronic disease, right? Like that's wellness. We want to be pushing people far beyond wellness towards fitness. Like we want people to be like freaking thriving. Now, The thing though, when it comes to older adults and working with this population who are really sick, like we, we need to adapt that continuum a little bit and expand on that because one, many of the folks that I work with, like Julie, they're never going to move beyond sickness. They're going to be freaking sick and they're going to just live there. They may touch wellness, but they actually may not, they may never leave their home. They may never make it into a CrossFit gym. It's just not going to happen. So it's about like, how can you make someone's life bigger, even within them still being sick, right? So that's one part. The second part is we have to adapt it to include all the other dimensions of fitness and wellness. So it's not just physiological wellness. It's not just physical fitness. It's mental fitness, emotional, um, spiritual fitness. It's, it's all of those things that as PTs, sometimes we don't address or we don't think of, but that are so incredibly important and responsible for truly enabling someone to move along that continuum. And we know with older adults that like, they can be strong as hell. They can be strong as a freaking ox if they have low psychosocial resources, right? If that mental health, spiritual health, their family support, if all that stuff, if those buckets are empty, they are still at such a high risk of adverse health outcomes. And it's one of those things that we need to like expand our role beyond just, I'm going to hand a kettlebell to you and teach you how to deadlift and start thinking about all those other pieces of the pie to actually move them towards the entire dimension of fitness.
0: Wow. Yeah, I love that. And super eye-opening and almost like um a little bit of like an ego check because it's true when we think of fitness, especially those of us who identify with this idea of fitness, it is very physical. It is, it's the kettlebells and the barbells and um you know getting in the gym. But fitness at its core, like how do we define it really? It has so many different facets and that's a good point that like, especially with older adults, like you mentioned, but even with any human, a lot of us know that physical health is important. Like, oh, we should move more. Or we should walk more, whatever. But that, that psychosocial aspect is what holds a lot of people back. Right. 100%. So in your role, I mean, when you're addressing that with a patient or discussing it, like, is it something that you are, kind of bringing up and talking a lot about in the beginning or is it more of like a gentle get to know each other and just like give them time to help you understand where they're at like how do you go about diving into all of that you know
1: yeah so yes to both of those things I am typically trying to address those factors or really address What is the barrier that's going to keep them stuck either at their mobility level or stuck at their current um, level of care? Meaning if they're in the hospital or inpatient rehab or in the home, what is the biggest barrier that's going to prevent them from moving to beyond that level to the next level of care um, closer to that fitness? And so I'm trying to address that stuff day one. And sometimes the most rewarding sessions I've ever had are when I don't talk about deadlifting or squatting or exercise at all. We don't even go there. It is what is that barrier that's going to keep you that's right now you're homebound. What is the barrier from you actually getting out into the community back into the world, just like out of this freaking home, back into the community, doing what you love with the people that you love. And that's what I'm addressing right away. And that could be the social worker needs to get involved because they need options for transportation, right? It could be, Hey, does this person seem to have some depression or anxiety on board? I need to use the resources that I have from a mental health perspective to get them on the team so that we can start tackling that day one. Um, And that's, that's tough, right? Like building that relationship to where you're getting into all that messy stuff can be difficult. And It just starts with like looking at this human in front of you and meeting them where they're at, taking even two freaking minutes of eye contact. You are not typing. My tablet is nowhere near me. I'm not thinking about anything except looking at this person and like, who is the actual human inside? Right. And developing trust. No one is going to shift their behavior or no one is going to, no one is going to give a crap about what you say, unless they, they trust you and they trust that you like give a damn about them and what is meaningful to them. Um, call it empathy call. It, I don't know what you would really like sum all that up as, but that has always been how I've like, I don't know. That's just always been how I've approached it because I know how important it is, but that's not, that's a hard skill it's, it's a soft skill, but it's hard to implement if you're not used to it. But, um, it's, it's just so critically important that we address that right away and build that relationship and not wait until discharge week. You know, you can't wait until the last week you're with someone to be thinking, what are all the other things that could be barriers here?
0: Yeah. Just getting to know your the human in front of you. It's so true. Like it sounds so simple, Um, But like you said, it's simple, not easy. And I love what you just said about kind of painting that picture because I can visualize that perfectly of like, put the laptop to the side, put the notes to the side and just be there. That is something that I honestly can use a reminder of. Um, I'm in an outpatient sports setting, but when you go in for an evaluation, it's like, all right, you start typing away and and my brain is always on, um, of course on the patient, but also like, all right, I don't want to get behind, but it's like, just take a few minutes. And, and that's the investment of your time in the beginning of building that relationship is totally going to be worth it in the long run. When that patient is compliant and you're on that level together, like that's, that's a really good lesson and a good reminder for me. So thank you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And if you think, you know, I think outpatient is like It's the typical, you know, 80-year-old Betty comes in and you're like, okay, Betty, jump on that bike. I'll be with you in a few minutes. And it's like, you go and go to the bathroom for the first time. Or we have a snack because we're hangry and our blood pressure's dropping because we're clinicians and, you know, we're being run into the ground and we're exhausted. Like, it's like you get it and everyone understands these scenarios. Like in acute care, it's when we would go and knock on the door of a patient. You don't wait, you just barge in. The knocking on the door is just a formality. And you walk in and this patient is lying in the hospital bed. Like they know that PT is scary. They understand they're gonna have to get out of bed. They may be in a lot of pain. And you, know, you walk in and you're already adjusting the lines and moving their blanket and getting the wheelchair ready. And you literally are just talking about subjective and where did you come from and tell me about your home. And you literally haven't spent two freaking minutes to sit down, to get on the level, like you actually are at their same height and give them your undivided attention. And that can make the absolute world of a difference. And, and again, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's one of those things where I think if you can just challenge your, everyone can just challenge themselves to do two minutes, it, it can completely change. Like it sets the
0: stage for your planet care. And building totally, totally. And I mean, even just for, for any coaches or just anybody in the industry of human beings, which like a lot of us are in like, yeah, that's such a crucial, um, And can make such a difference. And another thing that you mentioned, Julie, that I love is um, you gave an example of a maybe an older adult who is currently homebound and wants to eventually get out of their home and you're trying to figure out, you know, the barriers. I kind of pictured too this idea of like you having that conversation with them and getting to the point where you can maybe identify some barriers is also going to create some sort of like hope for that person, I would imagine, too. Right. And helping them actually visualize, like, what that would look like Mm -hmm. to do that thing that they haven't done in a long time or maybe never done, whatever it might be. Like, I imagine from a buying perspective and just from a a goal setting perspective, like, it's so powerful when you can help the person actually see, okay, this is where we're going. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. just like motor imagery and visualization is so incredibly powerful. Right. And I mean, if you just think about that from like a meditation perspective, that's a lot of times, like what we do when we meditate and it's, it's so powerful, especially like my older adults who are sick sitting on the edge of their hospital bed, they maybe have just escaped death or had some insane surgery and they're in a lot of pain. And if you can get them and kind of like dig deep into those goals to just, imagine themselves in a world or on a day, a Tuesday, a Saturday, what are they doing? What brings them joy? What brings them purpose? Um, And visualize what that is. Not only does it get buy-in from them, but if I know exactly what that looks like and I know exactly what it's going to take um, to do that task, to do that hobby, to do that activity, I know exactly what my exercises are going to be that I'm going to give them. It's the easy button. So it, it doesn't just, it's not just for the patient, right? Like as a clinician, it makes my life a hundred percent easier if I actually know what those true goals and desires are and they can visualize it and tell me that.
0: Yeah. Super, super, super cool. So good. And even just in like fitness in general, like, like we mentioned before, most human beings know that working out is good for you and we should all do it. And you can go online and you can find so many different programs and gyms and there's all these things out there, but yet like there's so many people that still aren't doing the thing. So being able to figure out for yourself or help that person in your life, be able to see the connection between how fitness can help them do their thing. And like, I had Jeff Moore on the podcast a few months ago. And when I asked him um, what he's working towards right now, like he basically talked about how fitness is one of the things that is at the center of his life because he wants to be able to ride his motorcycle forever. And it was like such a simple thing, but he was just like, I want to ride my bike when I'm in my seventies. And in order to ride my bike, I need to be able to do these things to be safe. And I was like, how cool is that? Because not every human being cares about like having big muscles and like lifting up heavy weight. Like I get that. Totally get that. So, But I I really do think that every human out there has something that drives them and gives them joy and that they're passionate about. So how can we be creative and take that thing and then find fitness within that? Like that's... So cool. Yeah. And that being said, Julie, I mean, kind of shifting gears towards the, the physical domain of fitness. When we think of fitness, it has so many flavors, right? There's strength and power and cardiovascular health. So I would love to ask you when you're working with your population, whether it's older adults or, you know, sicker individuals, like, and you're kind of addressing the physical side of things, is there a certain domain of fitness that you feel like you're prioritizing or are you trying to sprinkle in all these different things like what's your approach with that?
1: Yeah. So this is a great great question and as always the answer is it 100% depends, right? Of like Of course, yeah. 100% depends on what their goals are number 1. And then obviously like what they're willing to do, what they're capable of doing. Now, with that being said, strength for me and working with frail older adults like is always going to be number one strength is just the most potent intervention resistance training is the most potent intervention that we can be using with folks even who are sarcopenia and who have frailty like we have this mount everest height of evidence that just continues to rack up of telling us that resistance training is the best thing that we can do for these folks Um, and when you, when you put that into the context though, of someone who's really freaking sick, you realize why, and why strength is number one. And I'm going to say power is number two. So I'm going to go strength and power. And I really think about, think about the patient who has congestive heart failure. Okay. I see them a ton in home health. They forgot to take their Lasix for the day. Right. So let's say that they had been doing PT and they're sitting in their recliner and all they're doing are long art quads, or maybe they're only doing body weight sit That individual forgot to take their laces. They now weigh more than their body weight. They are not going to be able to stand up if they had only been training to lift their body weight from that chair. Right. Because now they weigh a couple more pounds. They have more water accumulation on them. They're not going to be able to stand if you haven't been adding load to them for them to be able to actually stand up with external load, a.k.a. that external load is fluid that has accumulated through their body. I mean, strength for these folks who are super sick, who are one missed Lasix dose away from landing back in the hospital or getting stuck in that recliner and they have to call the fire department who's on their um, speed dial because (laughs) typically these folks have like, oh yeah, firefighter Dan's going to come over and like get me out of my recliner. I mean, this is critical. This is a, this is, they're stuck in a recliner for days versus they have to go to the hospital versus if they are strong enough they'd be able to get themselves up and out of that chair, no problem, right? So strength is 100% number one. I would say power is second, the ability to really create that force quickly, because when you lack strength, momentum is your friend, right? Like think about the folks who Um, who have had a spinal cord injury or a stroke, and we teach them how to like roll really quickly and use momentum, kind of throw their body around to get them to be able to move their body weight. That is a strategy that, again, if that person's gonna be stuck in that recliner or they know how to generate momentum to like throw themselves up and use power, that is, again, the difference of they're stuck in that recliner for days, that can be the difference of going back to the hospital, Um, so those are my, those are my two
0: strength and power. Love that. And I love that you gave that example of how it is so important. And like another thing that, that comes to mind here. And I talked about this with Dustin when I had him on the podcast is the fact that many of these individuals who are very far left on that continuum that are sick and, you know, have all of these, um, chronic diseases that they're dealing with, whatever it might be, those individuals also are oftentimes very sensitive to change, right? So like, you don't need to get that person lifting super heavy weight for a ton of reps every single day to take them in the right direction. And I loved when Dustin spoke about this, because he said, this is really what got him bought into working with older adults. Like, wow, these people are getting, getting so much stronger, so much faster, um, because of that. So I think that's a great point, too, is like, talking about strength training can be very intimidating or somebody who's listening and is picturing their grandmother who is, you know, pretty frail. It's like, there can be ways to do this in a relatively simple manner that will make real change. So do you have any specific tips? Like let's say somebody does spend most of their time in their home. um, And I know you're going in as a physical therapist, but like, are there any specific pieces of equipment or just like general principles for, kind of introducing this idea of resistance training to somebody who is very low on that spectrum?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you can bring fitness to any, any functional level. Someone who is confined to a wheelchair even can do a snatch with a dumbbell and seated, right? So the very first thing is you need to realize that and this, I'm going to be quoting Lindsay Huey, right? She all paths lead the load. Love, Load is our love language. And I will say that love can actually be found all around, like if we're being creative enough, right? So if that kettlebell, if that dumbbell, if that type of thing is really intimidating and there's no way in hell our patients are going to go buy one off of Amazon they just they don't like it right whatever they don't like the way it looks it's intimidating realize that you can look around someone's home and you can find load in any certain form I mean, get a shopping bag and throw a bunch of crap in it. And there you go. You have load. I carry a scale around with me now all the time. This is more a new thing because, you know, if I'm having someone push a box of canned goods because that's the load I have in their home, but I want to know an objective measure, then I bring a scale and with me, put the box on the scale. I know exactly how much it weighs. And then you can scale up and scale down from there. But realizing, like talking to people about what are the things, again, digging into those goals, like what do they do every day already? What do they like to do? What brings them joy? What brings them purpose? What is that visualization of a goal that we've talked about already? And then you just find a way to add a little bit of load to it. Add it in a way that's not intimidating with things that they lift and carry every day, right? Or you do it with a rogue resistance band. That's honestly probably my favorite piece of equipment to bring in. It's super light. I have different thicknesses and you can do, I mean, the possibilities are endless with that piece of resistance. And folks are typically more likely older adults to get on board with, I can get on board with this resistance band thing, right? The, the kettlebells and the dumbbells, that may be stuff that is going to take a while for them to buy into and stay consistent with. but a resistance band and not a TheraBand. They're very different. A resistance (laughs) band can, can take you a long way. And you can, I mean, that can be used for a lot of like, um, reactive balance exercises as well. It's not just for strength building, but it can be, it can be a good piece of equipment for buy-in. So, Load can be found everywhere, so using things that are not intimidating, and then to a rogue resistance band is like my go to all the time.
0: Yeah, I love that. And there's a post that I saw from you recently that um, there was somebody you were working with who was it that they wanted to mow their lawn, yes, and you took them out with the wheelchair, and like you're like, okay, here we go, lawnmower DIY, and um. How many, how many funny looks have you gotten in the hospital having patients push uh linen carts around? <laughs> Girl, the
1: looks, the comments I get, especially because I like really pump up the jams too. So like imagine in the hospital room, like my patient is doing burpees, which it floor recovery, incredibly important. Um and the jams are pumping, and like the physician comes and like opens the door and is like, what is going on here? Right. Um, yeah, you, you, when you bring this fitness forward mentality into a setting like that, and it's, I mean, it's a little rebellious, right? Sometimes I'm like, am I going to get fired? Cool. <laughs> if that happens, whatever, bye. Um, you just have to kind of realize you had it. You to, you know what, I'm doing what is good for the patient. And, you know, I'm hoping that people watch and maybe get a little bit inspired and, That'll start to happen. Like your colleagues will kind of look and be like, "Oh, they can do that," and then it's almost as they kind of like think about what they did during their session. I'm like, "Man!" So you can start to have that effect. It's a it's definitely uncomfortable. There are lots of days where I was just like, "Man," I'm like walking around with a target on my back. But it's um it's so powerful. You just got to be that continual drop in the bucket, and you know those become ripples, ripples become waves um, and just kind of keep doing it every day.
0: Yeah. And just embracing it. Like you said, like once you understand what all of this is for and you believe in it so strongly and it's part of who you are, like who cares if you get the weird luck from the physician walking yeah. down the hall. Right. Like, and I think about that sometimes too, with working in um, outpatient right now, I naturally at my core am very much like a hype girl. Like I just love to hype people up and be like, let's fucking go. And like, that's just who I am. Yeah. Not everybody loves that. I understand. Um, but it's, it's coming out a lot working with the people that I'm working with. And at first, like there's been situations where I get a little bit, I guess, insecure. Like, am I being too loud? Am I taking up too much space? Whatever. But seeing patients like smile back at me when I'm like, hey, if you told me that you were doing goblet squats every single day, I would believe you because these look so good. Like you're crushing it and just seeing them like, really, like I'm doing it right. Cool. Like those little things. It's like, just, just do it. Just be that person, play the music that they like, you know? And, um, I actually had a patient in my acute care rotation who she had a spinal fusion and, you know, went in for PT and she's like, oh God, PT, I heard about this. And we, uh, we were getting ready to walk and she was like, is it okay if I play music? And I looked at my CI and my CI was like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. What do you want to listen to? So she takes out her phone and she puts on Prince and Prince was, you know, her guy. Yes. And we're walking through the halls and, you know, this woman brought her own robe and her own slippers and like, just was rocking it, blasting Prince walking down the hall. The only problem was she kept closing her eyes. And I'm like, miss, you know, you need to keep your eyes open for me. And she's like, I'm just trying to listen to my baby. Like, let me be whatever. Yeah. But hey, she walked so much further than she would have without the music because it was it was making her happy. And um, yeah, it was super cool. So just just being able to get down on that level, like you mentioned, have a little bit of humility, have a little bit of fun with it, you know? And, you know, when we think about this whole idea of, of fitness and bringing it to not just these acute settings, but... Two individuals who you don't exactly picture when you think of fitness. I think one of the things, again, I talked about with Dustin um, was this idea that fitness is often wasted on the fit. Mm-hmm. I know you've spoken about this too. Yeah. When we, and I, that's been super eye opening to me, you know, when you look at advertising for gyms or um, when you Google CrossFit, like you see these really muscular, strong individuals. And I've been thinking a lot about like, how can we make fitness more accessible, more approachable? Do you have any ideas around this and, you know, kind of like what we can do to help walk alongside people to not be as intimidated by this?
1: Yeah, man. And this is a problem. Like, it's funny because I was just really experiencing this in a really small way, but because it was the other day I was doing a flyer for this balance workshop I'm putting on at a big CCRC down here in Charlotte. And I was looking up in Canva, like the stock photos, older adult exercise. I was on there for like 10 plus minutes. I couldn't find one thing that was an older adult actually doing some sort of deadlift or a squat and not even like looking for some badass like crazy visual right like what you would typically see if you're just looking up fitness and you're seeing those intimidating um visuals but anything so there's just this massive discrepancy it's like if it's an older adult working out it's sitting on a Swiss ball doing an ankle pump doing some seated uh you know chair yoga or something like that like you have that and then you have the younger adult population whose shirts off, massive muscles, like sweating and all this stuff in the gym and lifting these crazy weights. And there, there is nothing in the middle. There's just nothing in the middle, which is so incredibly frustrating. And you can only imagine like older adults are either seeing, oh yeah, well, I guess I just do chair yoga because that's all I see. Right. Or they're seeing the super intimidating stuff. And, you know, Dustin and Jeff from working a stronger life have really learned that lesson is, you know, they're getting their folks to do like Olympic weightlifting with barbells. It's awesome. And they're like, man, this is so badass. This is is the visual I want to show on our Instagram and put out to the world. But they learned, they're like, we think that's super cool. But someone who's just an older adult and yeah, they may be independently living, but they're not, they, they've never seen a barbell before. Like that's going to scare them away. That's not the images that we even want to be putting out. We don't want to, you know, we say in MMOA, we don't want to exchange ageism for ableism, meaning we want to say ankle pumps are shit, right? Like that's so underdosed. We don't ex- want to exchange that with older adults who can't do these amazing things with a barbell either, because that's going to scare people off. So, how do we create more visuals of ordinary individuals who are just trying their freaking best? Maybe that's a barbell, maybe that's a, lo- a bag loaded up with cans, maybe it's them sitting to standing with a walker for the first time. These things that don't immediately think sexy but they're incredibly significant. So I know like I have tried really hard to show things that aren't the sexiest thing in the world, but are super significant. And it's not that intimidating visual of the barbells and the kettlebells and all of that. But the more that older adults can be exposed to things that we put out that encompass the entire spectrum the more they're going to be able to be like that looks like me and I think I can do that because right now they don't have that coming at them they only have those two extremes and we don't we don't want either of those for the general population so how do we create messages to clinicians and students of that there is this massive spectrum of folks and we need to show that every single thing along that continuum that is considered fitness is significant and then fit that into the world.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's, and I can, I mean, definitely applies probably primarily to older adults because like you said, there's nothing out there. And um, one thing that I've stolen from ICE that I talk a lot about is that old doesn't mean weak. It's like any age in the book, like I have patients who are like, yeah, you know, once I turn 30 or once I turn 50, or it doesn't even matter what age it is, people just tie age to, okay, things are going to get worse. Um, And, you know, with that too, like, like you mentioned, it's either really young, really fit people or older adults. And like, even the people that are middle age that maybe don't have a great, um, lean body mass percentage like they're not sick like it's like that that middle ground maybe those people living in wellness like how can we help them um, shift towards fitness comfortably and i'll give you an example i have a patient right now who is 55 she's coming to see me for frozen shoulder and she came in the first day and you know noticed that we're in a crossfit gym and some patients know that ahead of time and some patients walk in and they're like whoa like what's about to happen here but a few sessions in, she was telling me um, that she told her, her son about PT and he's actually an orthopedic physician. So she's telling her, telling him how it's going and she's really happy and that it's inside of a CrossFit gym. And she thinks that maybe she she'll give it a try when she's done. It looks really cool. And he told her, mom, you're 55, you can't do CrossFit. And she told me that. And I was like, oh, and I won't say your name, but you know, Julie let me tell you, let me actually point out to you some of the, some of the members of this gym um, who are also in their fifties. And, you know, it's like, when we hear that we can't just get super reactive and be like, that's bullshit. Like we need to, yeah. Like, and that's hard too. And, you know, um, understanding their beliefs and all of that, but there's a a gym member, her name is Karen. She's 58, has been doing CrossFit for years and just loves it. And is so proud of being 58 and doing crossfit and she was across the room on a uh, echo bike and i went up to her i was like hey karen would you mind me asking you how old you are and would like, would it be okay if i told my patient over there because she's 55 and she's a little worried that she's too old for crossfit I love it. and karen had the biggest smile on her face and she was like oh please like like said like give her away whatever um and just facilitating that like wait, you do, you do this? Oh, cool. Okay. It was dude, awesome. So awesome. I'm really grateful that that all happened in that moment that I could do that. Um, but yeah, that's what it's all about. And when you go into CrossFit boxes and you would probably know this better than me, but like not everybody looks super muscly and fit, right? Like it is a very normal, general looking person that tends to hop into these workouts. So yeah, like I wish we could just showcase that and tell the Instagram middle algorithm. Ground. Yeah. Tell yes. the Instagram algorithm, like screw the dude with the top pack. Know. We already know about him. We know. know it's uh. the middle ground. And it's, so you're in
1: such a cool position because it's like, we call it intentional exposure where you're having a patient in, in your space, but they're surrounded by the gym and a class that's going on. And maybe they're surrounded by, you know, Karen, you're 55 for PT, Karen over there is 55 and she's crushing it on, you know, the echo bike or whatever it is. That is so incredibly powerful. And folks like you who are in that setting have this advantage of like making that visible, right? Making that middle ground visible and making that link of PT to the gym is so close, which is amazing. And obviously not many folks are in that position. So we have to be find a way to bring that awareness on our own when we're in different settings that we don't have that immediate, right? And a lot of that has to do with like finding a network of people, all of the research. I mean, if you look at older adults are being discharged home, I mean, caregivers, having caregivers and social support, is incredibly important. Think about CrossFit. Like the community is one of the things that keep people so accountable and why people are so addicted to it is because that community that it fosters the accountability. So how do we create that for folks who it's not readily available for? People are going to be more likely to change their lifestyle when one, again, they trust you. So we've talked about that already Two, You go from trust to getting curious, curiosity sparks everything action, right? Huh? This I'm going to have an open mind to this and I'm a little curious. And then curiosity goes into action, right? You seek out more information or you do an actionable to start making that change. And all of that really, really relies on community and support, right? Which is, it's so hard to create in a lot of settings, but if we can figure out how to do that, I think we're going to see a lot more people shift along that continuum, right? So bring in the visualizations of, look, these are normal people just like you who can do this stuff. I will tell my older adults to follow certain people on Instagram. It's awesome because in MMOA, I mean, I follow way more anti-ageism accounts than I do fitness accounts for people my age. Like I'm yeah. trying to bombard myself with positive age thinking. So the more I rack that up, that is going into my brain constantly. And then I get to translate that and tell my patients like, Hey, follow this, follow this, follow this. So that they start to get bombarded with the right visuals. So we want to put them in an environment where they can thrive in that way.
0: Totally. And that's honestly, probably the main reason why I love our job and our profession is we have this opportunity to empower individuals through action. You know, like one of the things, one of the phrases that I love, and I, I think a lot about this now is that people don't need more education. They need more inspiration and like, yeah, and just being able to like have a person do a loaded squat for the first time, whether or not they even are thinking about it and being like, Hey, do you know how much weight you were just holding? Like that was 30 pounds. Like, wow. And, and just that moment of like, wow, is so cool. I'm totally falling in love with it. And I love what you said about social media too. And that I think is one of the limiting factors, but also is something that we can control where I'll give you an example in in sports physical therapy specifically, like when you think of sports PT, you think of the young athletes, like the high school baseball player and the college athlete. And the company that I work for, most of our marketing and social media is geared towards that population, which most of our patients, most of the therapists in the company, that is their thing. What I've been thinking a lot about is I love that that other category. I love that middle ground and that's a personal thing, but so I kind of have a goal for myself on my personal social media to expose more of my 55-year-old with frozen shoulder that I'm working with and yes. and have her share that stuff too and I've been amazed at how many people have said to me like oh I wasn't sure if I could come here because I thought that it was only for athletes. And I'm like, well, first of all, you can be an athlete too, but, yep. um, but that's a thing. And it, it, I shouldn't say that it upsets me. It's just, it's surprising me and teaching me that that's a real thing. Like people want to do things where they can recognize somebody in a similar situation. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that as a little rant, but that's like a personal mission of mine right now is I love it. I how can love I get it. humans in that middle ground to feel comfortable coming to this environment? Because this is where so much magic can happen, you know? Yes,
1: man, do it. Like just go <laughs> all out on the middle ground. I mean, and think like it's it's tough, right, Julie, really, because we know what's clickbaity on social media. Totally. I mean, I'm gonna be fully transparent. I know that if I post an older adult in a hospital gown doing some badass thing, the engagement and views on my crap is gonna go through the roof. Which cool, I, I am lucky in the sense that like. I used to put those things in the things that I think matter. They don't, I don't care. I don't care how many people like my stuff. However, I think a lot of clinicians, we get caught up in that significantly. I'm going to post a sexy thing, which represents the 1%, right? Those two extremes, because I know that it's going to get a lot of views. Not to say that that messaging that we're trying to send isn't important, but the majority of the people that we're working with are in the freaking middle ground. So why aren't we showing that? Why aren't we showing the, the ordinary person doing extraordinary things? You know, like that's where we need to focus. And maybe you're not going to get this crazy clickbait engagement. However, you want to attract a certain audience. You want to attract the people that value that because those are the lives we need to change, right? Those people in the middle ground they could go backwards on a frailty scale really easily. They could go back into the hospital really easily. Like they're one rep max living. You've heard that before. I mean, those are the folks that it's so powerful if we can transition them forward. People who are already freaking fit, they can take a lot of shit in life and they ain't gonna go back into the hospital. So why are we not dialing in on just those ordinary folks who look like they're doing pretty darn well but they could be one rep max living, who have the frozen shoulder, right? The middle aged folks who maybe just too little bit too intimidated to come into that crossfit gym. Why don't we speak to them? And if we if we're going to speak to them, we have to showcase them, so that they, like you said, can be like, that's me, like that looks like me, and that I can maybe do that thing. So important. Just go all out on the middle ground. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's really something that's been on my heart. Um, and yeah, I know, I know that I need to just do the thing and just start doing that. And hopefully the message will keep spreading. Um, this particular patient, I actually have told her a little bit about, um, some of like you guys at ice and and how that's been a big part of my philosophy. And, um, one of the things I showed her was the video that Dustin posted on stronger life of, um, the various patients who were like, I have diabetes yes. and like, I have heart disease and like things like that. And, you know, just, just that little dose of like, look at them. They have these things too. You know, they, they have a history of cancer. They have hypertension. They have a knee replacement, like just like you, you know, and you can do these things too. So uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, Julie, one thing I want to touch on a little bit is um, kind of going back to those more um, frail, deconditioned type of individuals. When we think about introducing fitness to them or performing exercise with them, I imagine safety is very important, very much at the forefront. I would love if you can just shed a light on if you have any specific um, metrics that you like to follow, like how do you go about pushing these folks while making sure things are being done safely?
1: Yeah. So awesome question and such an important like topic to hit on. And I think something that's really important for all of your listeners to realize is that high intensity exercise is contraindicated for a incredibly small percentage of folks that we see. Incredibly small. Maybe those of us who are working in the ICU We'll have folks who exercise is totally contraindicating. We really have to be concerned about safety as being like the forefront of our minds. But even if you think about the acute care setting, we are so aggressive in the ICU, Julie, right? Like we, I mean, folks in the ICU were like, where's my gait belt? And where's the vented patient? I'm going to walk them on the vent. Let's freaking go. We're so aggressive. And these people are so freaking sick, but we have so much evidence to support that we can make folks who are on the vent do high intensity exercise and you have very minimal adverse outcomes, right? We have evidence to say, Hey, we'll take folks who were on the vent for over seven days. We're going to bring them over to rehab. We're going to make them work out 15 minutes, five times a week at RPE greater than seven. And we had no adverse events. So just to put it out there that folks who are super sick can be exercised really, really hard and it's 100% safe, very minimal adverse events. Reward is incredibly high, risk is low. So if everyone who's listening to this thinks if it, it's safe to take someone who's just been on the vent for seven days, work them out at RPE of seven or greater for 15 minutes at a time, exercise is probably safe for anybody else, right? So there's your starting point. Now, safety is still really important. I like to use the talk test and RPE, right? So the talk test is just a super simple way to gauge exercise intensity, um basically if you can talk but not sing you're at a moderate intensity if you can only get a few words out then you're more likely at a vigorous intensity it's super simple it many of my patients RPE is really hard for them to understand so that's something that can just you can teach that to pretty much anyone um vitals are literally vital um so i will say that i take vitals On everyone from a safety perspective, especially when you're working with older adults, you got to get your vitals. It took me one time of someone having a pulmonary embolism literally on me while I was working with them. I had not taken their vitals one time. (laughs) That was incredibly terrifying, right? So there have been so many people who have had a blood pressure of over 200 systolic or under 60, and they look totally fine. You have no idea. So taking vitals before exercise during rest periods and after is absolutely critical. It is just, if you're not doing it right now, you have to start doing it because you have no idea that patient could be completely asymptomatic. So take So one, realizing that exercise is freaking safe, even high intensity exercise for sick folks. Two, making sure you're taking your vitals. Three, I would use the talk test as a really easy way to gauge and track intensity. RPE would be next. And I love RPE, but again, patients who are novice to exercise don't freaking understand what a four or five, six or seven is. They can't discern that. So that can be something that you eventually get them to understand if you can get them to do like an AMRAP. So they know what that 10 out of 10 intensity is like, oh, now I get what a 10 is on an RPE, but it can be really difficult at first to use. So talk test is one of my favorites in combination with vitals, 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 vitals. every single patient, every
0: single time. Nice. I love that. And I'll definitely take that, that talk test into my clinical practice too. Cause even in the outpatient setting with individuals who are not medically fragile um, I've totally fallen into the trap of underdosing. Like there are some days where I look back and I'm like, man, I was kind of being lazy there or, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think too much about how I can push them and how to structure the session. And that's something that I'm kind of challenging myself on a little bit more too. And just that same idea of like, especially working with individuals who may be a little bit intimidated by exercise. They voice that at the start of therapy. Once you kind of build that rapport and, and start to gradually increase things, I think that like action and just doing the thing is like the best way to build confidence So it's not to say to be deceiving by any means and like trick a patient into something, um, but slipping them the heavier kettlebell or, you know, structuring exercises in that more like AMRAP fashion to just get the heart rate up. And they'll be like, Oh man, I I haven't felt like this in a while, but I feel good. And that's that moment of like, you just did it. Like you just did fitness. And you, you know,
1: celebrate the hell out of that moment, right? Yes. Like even if you underdose them, we talk about this all the time in MMOA, even if you underdose them, whatever, cool. They just whip out a crap ton of reps and they feel pretty good. And you just celebrate the heck out of the fact that they were able to lift that weight that many times. You always can work on the dialing in the strength after that point, but psychologically for them to just feel like, man, like you just said, yeah. I did
0: that is like, boom, that's so important. Yeah, 100%. I love it. This is so exciting for me, this conversation. Um, Now, Julie, as we kind of wrap things up here, if there's anybody listening who maybe has, you know, a loved one or somebody in their life who they know needs to change their behaviors, they know they need to get healthier, like, but it's just really hard to, to help that individual. Do you just have any advice for, you know, helping somebody understand how to most effectively walk alongside somebody who is in their life, who needs fitness, but is struggling.
1: Yeah, man, this is like the million dollar question. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had the golden ticket answer here. And I say that because My family has been one that has not been very healthy. Like my mom um, was diagnosed with esophageal cancer um, a couple years ago, just not a healthy individual. Like grew up smoking, drinking, taking a lot of sleeping pills. Like it's it's really, really unfortunate. And I know a lot of people listening, um, a lot of clinicians, it's really tough when you're like, This is my family member and I'm in the health promotion field or I'm a clinician. I help people, strangers go from sickness to fitness all the time. And I can't even help my own parent or I can't even help my own family member. They don't want to listen to me. You know, they don't want to buy in. It's incredibly difficult. And my biggest piece of advice is one, realize that that may never change. And you don't want to sacrifice having a relationship with the people you love because you want to, you want to impose the way you feel your philosophy on them because it can really result in a strained relationship. Understanding even if it's the person that you love and you want them to be around so they can hold your grandbabies and all this stuff like that, it just may not be what they ever get on board with. So just like we say with our patients, we have to meet them where they're at. We have to meet our family members where they're at. And you know what, maybe if it's that they just are able to get outside and walk for 10 minutes a day, we know this isn't going to reverse their chronic disease, right? But if you can even just get that the tiniest little thing and respect that, that could really save a relationship with your loved one. And the most potent way I believe to do that is you need to find your family member, one friend, one friend who has fitness at the forefront of their life, right? Like you are the five people that you surround yourselves by. Um, that is so true. So even if you feel like I can't get my family member to do exercise, can you find them just one of their peers that cares the way we do and just match them up? Just like you did with Karen and Karen, like, How do you just find one person to match them up with? Because that's going to be more potent than as their child, right? As their grandchild, really trying to harp the fittest forward life into them.
0: Wow. I love that. I can't wait to listen back to that. Such a good message. And it's true. And it's hard too, because when we are in this field, in this health promotion field, we just want so badly to help. And it's like, You just don't understand and stuff like that, and but it's hard because, and I've navigated this with family members of mine too, and it's like, it's really easy to accidentally make somebody feel guilty.
1: Hundred percent, and
0: that can be really tricky. Is like, but I want this so badly for you, and and if that person can't give it, and then they feel like they're letting you down, and um, I love that, and like you mentioned, like some maybe you aren't the right person to help walk alongside them on this journey because you are already so much more to this person so yeah. trying to set them up with something some kind of community or another person um yeah. that's really good advice i really like that
1: yeah it's it's one of the hardest i mean it has been the hardest experience i've had growing up with a you know mother who's just not healthy and trying to like but mom i you know so many clinicians have probably told their parents this or like i want you to be around for my wedding. Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to hold my grandkid, you know? And when you say those things and you feel like you still can't break through a wall, it's, it's man, it can like really knock you down. But if you're like, okay, look, they're going to want to live their life the way they want to live it. We have to respect that. But if we can just try and infiltrate with some people who live their lives in the way that we want our loved ones to live. It's the best place
0: you can start. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Now, Julie, we're going to wrap things up here. I've got one last question to ask you everybody on the podcast gets this question and this podcast, the Goal Set Mindset Podcast, we are centered around pursuing high achievement with passion, perseverance, and performance. I would love to hear what a personal goal is that you have right now and how you're working towards it.
1: Yeah. So I, man, I love this question and you probably get a ton of like performance-based goals here, right? And I could sit here and tell you like, I love the sled push. I want to be able to push a 560-pound sled for 25, 30 feet. I did it for like 10 feet, but I want to do it for like double the amount of time. Um, I could go into that. But the goal that really first came to mind is probably not something that you typically hear. But so my boyfriend and I are, we're building a new town hall. And my goal is to host the holidays next year for my family. Like we don't, I mean, me and my family, have we haven't really gotten together a whole lot over the holidays over the past couple of years. My brother's in town, but he doesn't have enough bedrooms for people to stay. Like I want to keep myself healthy enough mentally, physically to be able to be the person who brings everyone together in one place and create this atmosphere of happiness and togetherness in a way that I haven't been able to do. Um, so that when I look to the holidays next year, that is what I am working towards.
0: That is so special. And yes, thank you for that because I love when people, um, take this question, different avenues. And just like we talked about, like, working on yourself, setting goals in life. It doesn't have to be this like rigid, numerical performance type of goal. Um, it can be anything. And that's really cool, especially for for you and your boyfriend to kind of like work through that together and work towards yeah. that together. Yeah. That's really cool. I can't wait to see lots of cute family picks next year yeah. at your yeah, holidays. Excited.
1: It's going to
0: be awesome. Awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming on today. This conversation was So much fun, so inspiring for me, uh, refreshing for me, honestly. I would love if you could share with listeners if they want to connect with you, um, check out some of your content, what the best way is to do so.
1: Yeah, so my Instagram handle is Julie, like I need to think about that for a second, juliebrower.dpt. Um, So you can find me there. That's probably the easiest way to find me, to reach out to me, send me a DM. I love talking to students. I love talking to clinicians. Um, Just like you, it's really refreshing, inspiring to me to have these types of conversations. So um, if anything resonated with anybody or they want to, you know, talk more about any of these topics, I would be happy to jam with them.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Love to hear that. If you're listening to this, you definitely need to check Julie out on Instagram. Um, yeah, I just scrolled back to when we first spoke and yeah. I shared one of your posts and yeah, this was two years ago, which is so crazy. And you were doing it, that
1: awesome in-service at your clinical yes. you with the HEP. I was like, yes, back wow. I was like, like, Julie is like, dude, she's in it. And she's so dedicated to this and not everyone who, you know, we talk to on social media, you're like, they're super, like they live and breathe this stuff. And it's so clear that you do. So, um, yeah, catching up with you here has been just really awesome.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. And that's something I speak a lot about to my audience and just people that I interact with is like, find your tribe, like find a community that you resonate with. Like I have been excited about this sort of stuff for a few years now and used to, um, it took me a while to really embrace it and just jump in and be like, who cares that I'm a student? Who cares that I'm a brand new PT? Like, let me just connect with these people. And man, it has been so fulfilling. Um, It's all about that. So connect with Julie, you guys, check out some of her posts. Um, Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I look forward to to staying in touch and um, following your journey even further. Heck yeah, girl. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be looking for that middle ground. You're
1: going to blow that middle ground up. Yes,
0: you just wait. You're going to be seeing Karen and and Kim (laughs) and all my girls up there. It's coming. I love it. I
1: love it. All right, girl. Have a good day.
0: You too. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope this episode and this conversation with Julie left you excited to take fitness into your own hands and guide other humans in your life towards fitness so that they can be a happier, healthier version of themselves. If you're enjoying the podcast, I would love if you left a rating or review on your favorite platform and subscribed so that I can reach more listeners like you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will be back next week with another episode.